Blog Talk Radio. Did you know that elders and others are losing their rights to liberty and property? Anyone can petition a court to have a person deemed incapacitated. What if that person is you? The adult guardianship system was created to protect incompetent people and their assets. A court-appointed guardian, sometimes a total stranger, can force you into a nursing home and sell your home to pay for services. Treasured belongings can disappear as you are drugged and isolated from loved ones. Why does this happen? Unfortunately, the courts don't have the funding to supervise and audit cases. A guardian makes all decisions on your behalf, taking control of your assets with little accountability. The potential for abuse is frightening. Luckily, not all guardians exploit those under their care, but when they do, there's really nowhere to go for help. The National Association to Stop Guardian Abuse, NASGA, is working to reform adult guardianship to return it to its once noble purpose of protecting the human rights to life, liberty, and property and ending financial exploitation of assets. Are you or your loved ones protected? To learn more, visit StopGuardianAbuse.org. Good evening. There we are. (laughs) I had me on mute. Some of you might have been happy about that, but unfortunately, here I am. This is Marty Oakley. This, of course, is the TS Radio Network. My only problem with that promo for NASC is where they say, claim that guardianship had a once noble purpose. It never did. It has always been about kidnapping, seizing a person to steal their assets, regardless of the harm caused to the individual. Uh, it's been like that forever. It's just they've refined it, honed it, and it is now a smooth-running system that is made up of kidnapping, isolating, estate theft, misery, abuse, psychological torture, and the ultimate death of the individual once all the assets have been trained. I mean, we don't need them anymore. If they're, you know, everything's gone, might as well get rid of them. And they always just serendipitously die right on time. It's just the damnedest thing. And um, Right when the anyway, money runs out. Yes, ma'am. When that last time is seized. And uh, so I do have a problem with that. That, of course, is Cuz, my co-host. What's up with you tonight, Cuz? Well, just, you know, I was baking away. And I do have to, um, I'm going to do a little glory hog moment on that that promo. That promo was done by TVW here in Madison, Wisconsin. And it is the Ah. first and only, I know, it is the first and only commercial that a guardian, any sort of guardianship organization has been able to put out. And it ran for several, it ran for several years here in the Madison market. And we have used it at the whistleblower summit. And I'm just, I'm going to do a little oink on uh, TVW and Madison, Wisconsin and NASGA. I don't know of any other of any other organizations that have a commercial that was done. And this commercial did not cost us any money. They did it because I was doing the restaurant show, and we, you know, after filming, we talk about some of this, and it really, it really touched 
some hearts and they went ahead and they did this commercial and it aired for years here in the Madison market. Wow. So I'm I'm just doing a little oink here. I I don't know if these <laughs> other advocacy advocacy groups have had commercials that are on television yeah. the way Nazca had. So That's excellent. So yeah. I had to do it. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> there you I had go. an oink in me. <laughs> hang on, just hang on. <laughs> there you there you go. There you go. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> but another thing about the guardianship, because they say that the courts don't have the funds to audit and supervise, yeah. then why'd you create the courts? And why would you create a tertiary system that is not part of the judicial system and then not supply adequate funding to make sure that it did what yeah. you said it was going to do? Um, right. It was all part of the plan, all part of the plan. I'm telling you, there is so much going on that I can't believe it. I want to say again, for all you people that say, well, I'm going to go to my senator, and -and so-and-so said they could get me, you know, where I could talk directly to my senator, and they'll arrange it. Good for you. And if what's going to happen is they're going to go, oh, that's too bad. Oh, I never heard of that. Well, I'm I'm so sorry this happened, and I'm going to look into this. And, And then they come out with these fluff and buff bills that do nothing. And these people go, oh, well, one of them in particular, I'll take what I can get. Well, you got nothing, like I said. Are you happy with that? Yeah. Um, it just, the bills that come out are actually an insult. I mean, they are absolutely an insult to the public. And yet people say, well, see, Senator so-and-so, she came out with the bill, or Representative so-and-so came out with the bill, and they're on our side, really. Then why didn't they come up with something more than this? And they never, never, never mention the word guardianship or professional guardians. Never. Uh, they always talk about the compromised adult, the incompetent adult. Uh, you need to check out that system because a lot of these people that are determined to be incompetent have never even seen a doctor. And their own family doctor is immediately dismissed. We don't want anybody coming Absolutely. in there. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, arguing now, Marty- with the court. Well, we're talking about these laws. What do you think about these task forces? Because, you know, one one recently got, you know, made in Pennsylvania. What's your opinion on these task forces? Because I have an opinion, but I'd like to hear yours. It would be too many times it gets down to in-house politics and who's going to be the boss and who's the lead person and who's the king and who's the queen and blah, 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 blah. I don't want to do it. And uh, if you could get them focused and working and people could set their egos aside and concentrate and focus on the issue at hand, they might could get something done. But too much infighting occurs, which is what politicians depend on. And I think many times people are sent in to create these situations. They come in like, you know, I'm going to save the day if you all just listen to me. And basically what they're there for is to derail what you're doing. And so, and they're quite effective. They're quite effective. Yeah. We have people out there claiming they're the world's greatest advocate for the elderly. And uh, basically what they're out there for is to derail you, is to throw your movement off off the rails, to mess up, to make you look like you're crazy. And they Mm -hmm. get grants from the government and stuff because they're a nonprofit. Yes, and they claim that they have all these employees. What they do is they take members and assign them 
um, positions that don't actually exist. Mm-hmm. Like one might be an yeah. ambassador, another one might be this or that or something else. And then they claim mm-hmm. all these people are employees. And then they yep, file for these money. grants and they get yep. money. And uh, yeah. it actually just is in their pocket. And nobody's making any money. Nobody's getting paid. And they no. might pay a few people a pittance to keep them quiet. But um, they themselves, no. they got to pay their salary. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I, so the day I would a, try and set something up like that, I'd be busted and in jail. Yes. I just can't believe the yes. stuff that we that's been uncovered, like with all this I know. scam. And, and you people, know, and please, when, please, please, please be cautious. If somebody's <laughs> resume continually changes, and who and what they are continually changes, just ease out quietly. If somebody claims they were some big shot CEO and then they're later claiming that they're an attorney or, you know, something else, step away because you're mm-hmm. dealing with basically a glory hog. The enemy. And, uh, yeah, the enemy, the yes. Enemy. And, so um, when I called the task, well, when we're talking about the task, I'm going to tell you how stupid this task force is in Pennsylvania. They got like, I don't know. Reverend, how many millions did this task force get? You know, they got all these millions of dollars, and they're going to set up this great task force. So everyone's excited. So I'm like, okay, I'll call it out because I don't live in Pennsylvania, so they're, it's going to be hard for them to come and get me. And so because people are afraid. They have, like, minor children. They feel that their children and their families are targeted, you know, if they complain. Yes. So I thought, okay, well, I'll call, you know. and. Mm-hmm. Basically, it's the attorney general office, and they are just taking extra notes, and they're hand everything over to Adult Protective Services. So I sit there, and I go, you know, I mean, um, that's kind of the problem here. And I use the example of Grace Packer in Child Protective Services in Pennsylvania, where I'll just real quick recap. She was taken from her biological family. She was adopted to a Montgomery County Child Protective Service employee who in turn uh, um, had her boyfriend rape her and dismember her. Pretty disgusting oh stuff. So so I already have the proof that these agencies are messed up because there's an example right there that is, and I didn't make this example up, this example, you can Google it. It's all over the Philadelphia Inquirer reported on it, why it didn't make national news. It's so disgusting. Anyway, this this is a real story. So when I talk to them about adult protective services, I go, what's the difference? I mean, you already know you, this happens in child protective services. This is one incident that, you know, got they got busted. This is also happening. And, and you know, she's listening and she's really nice. And I said, well, here's my question. If someone in guardianship calls and says, I'm in an abusive guardianship, will you help them? Or will you turn around and say, oh, that's a court matter? And they couldn't answer that question for me. And I would like that oh, question wow. answered. I would. I feel yeah. that's a burning question. You know, I'm it sure is. Reverend knows some people who they're in their right mind. And they would call and they could say, I'm in this abusive guardianship. And for Adult Protective Services, they say, oh, that's a court matter. We can't help you. What is the point? What's the point? Right. So anyway, that's what I think of task force. Yeah. They're just well, it's we, fluff we've and got buff. a lot going on. <laughs> it is. It is all fluff and buff. And tonight, our guests, uh, as I said, Patsy Grant and Carol Lynn Morgan from Ohio, 
are going to be talking about uh, themselves as their mothers that have lost their children for reporting abuse. Now, what goes on through CPS, uh, Child Protective, no, it's Child Protective or Predatory Services. They're snatching kids all over the place. They get money for putting them in foster care. They get money for forcibly adopting them out. Um, They get money. Florida got caught, what, here five years ago, um, leasing kids who were in the system out to the pharmaceutical companies to test vaccines and medications on. And they found children that were five to two years old, two to five, were on as many as 12 psychotropic medications as they tested them out. And the only reason this came to light was two of these children that had been leased out died. And the autopsy revealed, they want to know why these kids died. The autopsy revealed that they had been testing all of these horrendous drugs on them. Uh, what they do with our children is is just absolutely terrible. But if you want to know who is destroying the family, they keep, I hear all this stuff from the Christians about, you know, oh, the Satanists on the left, I'll shut the hell up. Um, the only people with the power to destroy the family is the government. And they're doing yeah. a fine job. They have the whole system set up. And so this yeah. is what our guests, Patsy and Carol, will be talking about. Patsy, Carol, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yes. Um, Patsy, let's start with you. Uh, can you give us a synopsis of, of what's going on on your in your case? Um, I actually was going to let Lynn go first this time. Oh, okay. Let her go. And go then, ahead, Lynn. Yeah, let her go. Yes. All right, Hello, Lynn. Good evening. Yes, ma'am. My name is Carol Lynn Morgan. I go by Lynn on Facebook and Instagram and other social media platforms. I'm bringing awareness to the dangers and the poisons of family courts across this nation. Um, I will give you an example and I will use my own case and um, I will summarize. After many years of abuse in a long marriage, over 20 years, Um, My eldest daughter, when she began medical school, she told me, Mama, if you don't get out of here soon, he's going to end up killing you, meaning her father. So after the last black eye and busted mouth, I said, that's it, and I'm not going to watch him beat my children, and I'm not going to stand by and take these punches anymore. I went to Trumbull County, Ohio, Um, the family court there to pick up the divorce packet. But the court clerks were telling me to file a dissolution. I didn't know what this process was, but there's a trick to it. The reason that they get you to file a dissolution is because a dissolution can always be converted to a divorce. A divorce cannot be converted to a dissolution. So once you file a dissolution, They go back and they change the paperwork, they alter the paperwork in the courts, and then now you have what they call a high-conflict divorce. And that's when they apply for state and federal funding on a high-conflict that they created. Two weeks after I was granted the dissolution, the ex-spouse came after me at my daughter's work when I was picking her up, And the police wrote a statement and testified that they had a standoff with Mr. Levy Salcia where he was armed with a machete. That's very clear. It cannot be 
Um, no one can dispute that. This is just solid in paperwork, in documents. I had to go through that court process, and at the same time, the ex-husband had hired an attorney, David Boker. David Boker is married to Pamela Rentala. She's the longtime administrative judge. So you have a judge, the head judge, and a lawyer working in the same court, husband and wife. Anything he would do in his cases would have to go through her, being that she is the administrative judge. Ten months after I was granted the dissolution and the final decree was signed by all, no changes asked for. We signed on it. It was a done deal. Ten months later, when the ex-spouse, Levy Sophia, wanted do-overs, he had his attorney, David Boker, forged my attorney's signature on an official court document. It's a journal entry. And it was handwritten by Magistrate Anthony Nadel, who never even signed his own handwritten order. So here we have a magistrate and an attorney and an ex-spouse conspiring to deprive me of my rights. And after the third time of him trying to kill me, I actually got remarried. I was scared, and I married my daughter's boss at her work. So when they vacated, when the court vacated my dissolution and separation agreement unlawfully by way of felony forgery, uh, they made me married back to the first husband again. So now I had two husbands at the same time. I'm the only woman in the United States to ever be forced into a bigamy relationship or polygamous relationship ordered by the court. Then I have to go and fight. So I have an attorney, and I'm paying this attorney, and they're taking money from the ex-husband, and they created a war that was never there because the dissolution is done. It's over. It's agreed upon, and it can never be changed. It's, it's a final order. It's not even an appealable order. So once you've done a fraud, that voids the entire contract. It voids the entire uh, court entry, the journal entry, that's a void order. That is not a final appealable order because there's a felony forgery on that document. It's void. It's unenforceable. But yet for 11 years, I have not been able to accomplish in the courts to get my rights back, my contract back, my dissolution back. And by me fighting these people and going to the authorities, I actually hired a board-certified forensic document examiner. Her name is Vicki Willard. She's out of Independence, Ohio. She is top of the line when it comes to forgery and handwriting expert. She said it is not my attorney's signature. She wrote an affidavit that it is not my attorney's signature. So when I take it to the authorities, then they start to figure, okay, we have to punish her. We have to shut her up. The ex-spouse came to my home, broke into my home, and attacked me while I was in my own shower, raping me while my children were pulling him off of me, stepping in my blood. Yes, ma'am. The children were screaming. They were pulling him off of me, and it's in the protection order. If you look up Mahoning County 2016 DV 
689. It shows in there where he tried to kill me with the machete. He has committed child abuse against my son, T.S. I won't name his name because he's a minor. And um, But if you look up the case, it's right there. And it also shows where he broke into my home and attacked me while I was in my shower. So Mahoney County gave me a protection order. Mr. Sasia, Lebby Sasia, and his new attorney, because the other one jumped ship. After he did the forgery, he, he ran away. He, was, he couldn't face the appellate court. Um, I did take the matter to the appellate court, the 11th Judicial Court of Appeals, under case number 2014-T-0038, I believe it is. I'm sorry, um, 84, 2014-T-0084. <clears throat> sorry, and the appellate court ruled for me. They said she's right, although they didn't know that my uh, journal entry was vacated by way of felony forgery because everybody omitted that and hid that because then that implicates all the people down there. And especially the fact that David Boker, the attorney that's married to the head judge, he's also the chief prosecutor over child support matters. So you can imagine that I never got any child support. I had to keep going back to court and getting orders, and they'll say, okay, 600, 700. It's just, it's a racket. It's case fixing. When you have an order that is done and set and fully agreed upon, it cannot be disturbed. That's the law of the case, and you have to respect that. You don't go back 10 months later and get rid of the contract between these two people and vacate a dissolution by way of felony forgery. So then I take it to the authorities, and because David Boker worked in the prosecutor's office, the prosecutor's office would not even entertain sitting down with me and discussing this. They figured she has too much information on what these people did in Trumbull County. We need to just shut her up and try and sweep her under the rug because they're doing it to everybody else. I'm not their only victim. This is something, this is a playbook. In every state, they're doing the same things. So okay. now we come to the point where I get the protection order, and they th- Mr. Sasia, Lebby Sasia, and his attorney threatened me that I have to dismiss my protection order or risk losing custody of my children. The judge here in Mahoney County said absolutely not. Judge Beth Smith and Magistrate Thomas Dawson both issued that protection order for five years for me. They said, do not dismiss that protection order. Trumbull County then drags me into their county, and I recorded them on my phone, and they told me if I dismissed it, there wouldn't be a need for a custody trial. Well, I said, I cannot do that. I don't even have an attorney here present. And they said, well, either sign it or you're out of here. And the magistrate came down off the bench with his fists curled up, and he said, you're coming close, you're coming close. I told him, what, are you going to punch me now? You're going to punch me in the courtroom? He called up the sheriff lady and told her to get me out of the court and that they were going to hold a full-day custody trial in my absence. I told him, you cannot do that. This, is, this was a motion for contempt that the father lost some visitation um, because he was arrested for the child abuse. And I said, 
your own court order in Trumbull County on September 13, 2016, you're the one that suspended father's visitation, not me. You can't blame me for that. So they dismissed all three of their contempt motions because they didn't even believe their own crap. Then they said, well, you dismiss your protection order. And I said, no, I cannot do that. They hand custody over to the abuser. After he got custody, he left horrible human bite marks on my children. And I saw that during visitation. I was a full custodial mother protecting my children. Now I became a visitor to my children every other weekend and one day a week. And when I saw the human bite marks, I am under law required to report that. If I do not report the abuse on my children, I am to be held equally responsible. But then when we go and we report it, the entire Trumbull County Court recused themselves and they sent up, and he's going to be 88 years old next month, 88-year-old retired visiting judge who already had the case fixed from the beginning. And he said, until I repair my relationship with my abuser, I don't get to see my kids. And that was in 2018. I did file a motion 60B3 and 5 against him for fraud upon the court. So he vacated his orders. But he still has not put anything back in place that I get to see my children until I put myself back in danger with a six foot four huge man that one punch took out my nose. One choke of my throat up against the wall caused my eyes to bleed and my nose to bleed. But I'm supposed to put myself in the face of danger and make nice with him and crawl back to him to be able to see my children. This is absurd. This is, this is unconscionable. This is not what the law intended, and this is constitutionally violative uh, incidents where our rights mean nothing. Women's rights in the court when you are abused means nothing. If you Google mothers who report abuse lose their children, it's right there. Joan Meyer, I worked with her. I, my case is part of her studies. She has fully proven that when mothers allege abuse, they lose their children. We have to stop this. Well, you know, I see all kinds of stuff, um, you know, about father's rights and all of this stuff. And I'll grant you there are times when sometimes even the cases that I've looked at, I would have to agree this was unfair treatment. But on the other hand, the majority of the time is just what you're talking about. Um, one lady who, big churchgoer, told me that this was just one of the things women had to put up with, a man that beat them and tore them up and everything else. And women shouldn't go to the police and be complaining because men get stressed because of their jobs and this and that and something else. And, and sometimes they just act out and, um, you know, and the closest person to strike out at is their wife and and according to the Bible, she's supposed to take this abuse because, after all, he's got it so hard. I wanted to tell her what to do with that book, but I didn't. And well, um, it doesn't say that anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know what she's reading, but it, nowhere does it say that. And no, um, it But the idea that a woman can be attacked in such a way. And you see it all the time from acid being thrown in their face or bones broken. 
I mean, they shoot them. They do all kinds of – we had a guy here in the Twin Cities driving down the street, and he was mad at his girlfriend who had his young son um, because she – he was doing drugs and drinking, and she didn't want him around this baby. So he sees her walking down the street, pushing a stroller with the baby in it, and he shoots her and kills her. I don't think I can dismiss that. Um, but this is uh, – I'm just telling you, this has, has gone too far. But the basic thing they're after here is the kids, the access to those kids. And, you know, as I put in the title, it is probate and family courts that are destroying the family. They're ripping our families apart. They're the only yes, ones that have the power the to children. do it. Yes, yes, they take the children from good, loving mothers, and then the mothers have to buy back our children from the kidnappers. These are pirates. Mm-hmm. These are pirates yeah. on the lands that have kidnapped our yes. children, either through CPS or family courts. Yep. And like I say, it shouldn't be called child protective. It should be called child predatory services. Um, child predatory services here in the United States is considered the biggest child trafficking organization on the globe. It's a well-known fact that this is what they trade in. And uh, so I just – I don't know what we're we're supposed to do about all of this. Um, how do you protect yourself from these people? That's the whole thing because you pointed out constitutional rights. You pointed out the law. You pointed out their own errors. You're the one who was penalized. Why is that? And they're not. See, that's what really irks me is even when you catch them, you can prove that what they did was illegal or a misuse of their position, whatever. Nothing happens. Nothing happens. That's right. There's no accountability. Right. Right. Well, there is a case, United States. Yes, the United States Supreme Court has already ruled in the case of May versus Anderson. And it states clearly that when the state gave custody to the father, it then cut off the mother's rights to the care, custody, companionship, and management of her children. And that is unlawful. Our parental rights are constitutionally protected. And here's an 88-year-old man who shouldn't even be on bench because he keeps calling my ex-spouse, Levy Morgan, at the top. When you don't even have the names right of the people before you, how are you going to sit up there and rule? And in every paragraph, and I can fax you the document, it says defendant is here with his lawyer. Plaintiff is here pro se. Defendant wants his time with the children. Plaintiff has the children at home. And I'm like, what? I'm the one fighting for my children. He, he had me as the plaintiff and the defendant in every single paragraph and the ex-husband. In the same paragraph, we are both plaintiff and defendant. This man is mental. He's lost his mental faculties. He's going to be 88 years old, which is a violation of the Ohio Constitution. It says no judge. If you look at Article 4, Section 6, go down to Section C, no person may be a judge once they've reached the age of 70. Now, you can hire a retired visiting judge, but he still has to be under the age of 70 to comply with the Constitution. Oh, wow. Uh, our Supreme Court in the state of Ohio is so corrupted to the very core that they will send out, you could have 100% proof. And, and when I took my case to the Ohio Supreme Court, I'm saying to them, look, there's a felony forgery on this court document. 
This document is void, and every single thing that they did after that is a Fourth Amendment fruit of the poisonous tree because it's all bind and tied to that original fraudulent document. The Supreme Court wow. has in their hands right now, and, and, and I'll tell you the case number they gave me, and, and it's very ironic, okay? My case number with the Ohio Supreme Court presently is 2022-0666. Ew. That's my case number. Anybody can oh. get on the Supreme Court of Ohio website and look up 2022-0666. You'll see the handwriting expert report that it's a felony forgery, the police report that it's a felony forgery, but nobody does anything about this because these judges and lawyers feel that they sit on high. Well, we the people need to let them know that these courts are not kingdoms. Okay, right. the courtroom belongs to the people, the courts belong to the people, and the bench belongs to the people. Don't tell the judge that. I have. Yeah. Uh, I bet you did. I have. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I, you, look, you can say anything, but say it with a smile. Yeah. I, you know, I, I've talked about this some time back when I first was involved um, this has been 10 years ago, but with my granddaughters. And they were trying to make me forcibly take DNA from them, and I wouldn't let them. And so I was hauled into one of these family, whatever you call it, lynch mobs. And the judge, I use that term loosely, was calling me by my first name. So I started calling him by his first name. And then he said, I called him by, I said, Mr. Parks. And he said, uh, that's Judge Parks. I said, no, you're not a judge. And he said, what did you say? I said, you're not a judge. And um, he got really mad. And he said, you will call me judge. I said, well, if we're going to use, you know, fictitious names, you can call me your majesty. And um, <laughs> he threatened to put me in jail. I don't know why. But um, Yeah, they don't like no, it when I you just... call them out on their BS. Yeah. Yeah. And these people are not dealing with law. They're dealing with code and statute, rules and regulations. It was created mostly by the Bar Association to benefit the Bar Association and uh, yeah. whatever they're planning on doing. So you're not even dealing. That's why you're in this special tertiary court. This There's another tribunal setting um, mm -hmm. that takes you out of civil and criminal courts and out from under the common law. And um, so they don't have to follow rules of evidence, codes of civil procedure. They can make up their own rules as they go along, and as they'll tell you when they get mad enough, the law here is what I say it is. Uh-huh, okay. No, no, so. no, no. There's no legislating from the bench. Sorry, they got it wrong. And the more yeah. people speak up about this and defend themselves, that person sitting up there, his job, if you look at the case, United States Supreme Court said in Green Law versus United States, that it is up to the litigants to frame the issues in civil and in criminal cases. You present it to the court, and the court has to act as neutral arbiter. That is not what's mm -hmm. happening. We are framing no. our cases 
telling the truth. We go into court, and it's whoever pays most wins and whoever lies the most and is most deceptive because this is the devil's world, and these are people doing the devil's work. Even in their book, the Bible, okay, which they say that, you know, it used to be you raise your right hand and swear on the Bible. Okay, look in your Bible, and it says, woe to you judges who make your verdict because the Lord is with you when you're making that verdict. Mm-hmm. There is no bribery. There is no trickery allowed. I mean, that's from God himself. When these judges are appointed, you have a duty and a responsibility. It's called a fiduciary duty to the right. public. That's under 63C American jurisprudence under public officers and employees. They have a fiduciary duty. They can't hide evidence. They can't... Um, Fix the case before you get in the court. And a lot of people will know what I'm talking about. You show up right. to court and your lawyer tells you, sit here on the bench. I'm going to go in and see the judge. At that point, right there, the game stops. That's fraud because they're going in there to already make a judgment and a ruling what's going to happen in your case. So it's a done right. deal. These lawyers right. have been just actors when you go into court. Mm-hmm, yes, Your Honor. Oh, yes, yeah. It's already a done deal. It's already yeah. played out. Somebody's got to be the winner. Somebody's got to be the loser. And it's usually not the truthful person that is the winner. It's very right. rare. Right. Just as an aside here, uh, oh. do you know where the word testimony came from or testifying? Originally, women were not allowed to speak in in any courtroom. Only men were. And before they spoke, they gave testimony. They put their hands over their testicles and swore that they would tell the truth on pain and penalty of being rendered neutered. And um, that's where, where that comes from. And uh, But, yeah, it just – when you actually look at the history of, of courts – and what's behind them and how they're set up and everything. It's really stuff from the dark ages. It's archaic. And yeah, the it's laws wicked that and there, evil. Yes, yes. And like you say, the laws are, are only applied to you when it benefits them to use the law against you. And never to your benefit. And we hear this all the time in guardianship. Uh, these are These are rackets. These are human trafficking rackets. And money's being made off those kids. And um, that money that fl- flows through Title Four D of Social Security, it isn't a Social Security program, but it's simply administered by Social Security. Because when they say, oh, we gave, you know, a billion and a half dollars to Social Security, what they really did was gave to Title Four D to cover child support recovery and uh, to yeah. buy access into the states. And that's how they get into the state. The t- state takes the bribery money. And then they have to follow their openly described business plan. And the plan is to take your children. And then the other things are this forced foster care and forced adoption. Now, are your children with your ex-husband now? They are with the ex-husband. Mine is not a CPS case. Um, CPS, and I'll just tell you straight out, I have no criminal convictions, no criminal history of any kind. I've never done a drug a day in my life. I've never drank alcohol. I have no tattoos. I've never been in a bar. 
I was a stay-at-home wow. mom. I had my children with me. I live right across the street from a school. I was there with them every day. So you have children living with mom seven and a half years, feeling safe, going to bed at night, brushing teeth, having meals. Now you're ripped away from mom, your only safety. And even the guardian ad litem said, if mom were to move, because I was contemplating moving to escape the abuse, and he sits at the school with binoculars and watches my home. I have photographs of the police catching him. He's been arrested multiple times. I wanted to move to Columbus to get a little bit further away and bring the kids up. I always made sure that he had visitation unless the court order says I can't because if I defy a court order, then I'm in trouble. So when the court says keep him away from the children, that's what we have to do. But they can't turn around then and say, oh, the father lost visitation. You're a parental alienator. That's why they dismissed those three false, bogus, phony allegations, and that was the sole grounds reason for reallocating the children. He got custody because of those three false contempt motions, but they were fully and completely dismissed. Even If you read the appellate court case, it says, before the hearing even occurred, Mr. Sasia voluntarily withdrew and the court dismissed the three contempt motions. Well, then what was your cause of action? If you just dismissed it, you had no reason to call me in for this event to court. It was just, look, we're going to punish you, woman, until you shut up about the felony forgery. You're not going to see your kids. Well, now they've already done the worst that they could do. My oldest son just turned 26 last October. I'm sorry, September 8th. He passed away in October. I buried my own son, who is a longtime victim of his father's domestic violence. I have right here in front of me the first police report when he was 18 months old. The father broke my two fingers on my right hand, pulling him out of my arms, and flung him by one arm across the room, hitting his body into a rocking chair. When I ran over and got on my hands and knees to see if he was breathing, I was kicked in the face, and the blood went up into my eyes. I couldn't even see, but I'm trying to blink through it and trying to help him breathe. The father was arrested. It's right here. He was arrested, and he was supposed to stay away from us. And and then what the court does is order marriage counseling and counseling. So you're sitting there with your abuser and trying to, to get through it. And the threat is, go ahead and divorce me, B word, because then I'm going to take the kids from you. And that was his plan. If I ever divorced him, he was going to get the kids. And they take the children Marty, not because they love them or want to take care of them, because the the court order right here says, Mr. Sasia, I heard that you're not even at home with the kids and you don't spend quality time with them. Well, that's not true, Your Honor. And the judge says, well, I have it as that it is the truth. So he doesn't want the kids. Most of these right. fathers, they do not want the children because they put them with their mothers or their sisters they just don't want yep. to pay child support. There you go. There you go. And I've seen that more yes. than once. Uh, the idea that they have to support these children. Well, I'm not giving her money so she can run. Look, we're not talking about me. We're talking about the kids. And yes. separate the two things. Um, if, if they have to give money to help raise those children, they also want access to abuse. 
And, and this is basically, to me, what they're complaining about is you took away their access for abuse. So they took from you what you prize most, your children. And, um, yes, ma'am. That's the only way to hurt a good mother and there you go. suffer her for the rest of her life is to take away what she was meant to be on this earth is a mother. This is from God's right. hand. This is not something that we've made up or a rule or a law. This is from God himself that he gave to woman the ability to carry an infant, a fetus, grow it into a child by melting her own bones, her own blood, her own muscle tissue to form these children and to give birth to a good baby and and happy and healthy But when I would see the father walk up to my son and pop him in the back of the head and I watched my son's right hand start shaking, he actually hurt him that his right hand started shaking. And I step in, I tell him, you can't, you don't hit my son. Don't, you're not allowed to touch him. He'll grab my throat, push me into the refrigerator and just punch me in my face until my face is swollen and, okay, okay, let me see you go and tell somebody about it. You even tell the priests in the church, and what they do, we'll come and bless your home. They put holy water or whatever. And then well, we'll they, be. Yeah, and they tell him, look, if you're not going to change your behavior, there's no amount of blessings, there's no amount of holy water, there's no amount of anything that we can do unless you change your behavior. But he didn't want to change. Because that's in his nature. That's who he is. He is an abuser. He cares more about money than he does his own children. He cares more about materialistic things than saying, hey, Lynn, you know, all right, we're not together anymore, but we're going to co-parent for the safety of the children, all right? I'll have them sometime, you have them sometime, and let's raise these kids good. That's what I expected, but you know what I got? He said he wasn't paying for blank, that he's not blanking, if oh. you know what I mean. He yeah. wasn't going to pay uh, child support if he couldn't use my body. Jeez. So, and yeah, this guy and is running around loose? Absolutely. And the, the protection order, which I will email it to you and send it to you, it completely states where he tried to kill me with this machete. He has committed child abuse against my son. He sent me a video. He, t- he sent me a message and said, check your WhatsApp. I want you to see what I'm going to do to you. I did, and it was an up-close video of an actual beheading somewhere in Saudi Arabia oh or something. They grabbed a man's hair. He had a white cloth around his head, and they literally took off his head, and you could see the blood squirting out of his neck. Then they throw the head over to the side and drug his body. He said, that's what I'm going to do to you. So, yeah, of oh course God. I'm afraid. I'm scared, and my children are afraid. But what happened recently? He attacked my oldest son, punched him in the chest, knocked him into the cabinet, and was choking and strangulating my next-to-oldest son so hard that the sofa broke. This matter went before this 88-year-old retired visiting judge, and he asked the guardian ad litem. And these guardian ad litems are just as guilty. They know the children are being abused, and they don't care. They'll take pocket money to pay for their boats and their cars and their dinners out. 
And what the guardian said, and I have the disc of the hearing, this 88-year-old retired judge said, did the strangulation happen? Yes, Your Honor, I can confirm it did happen. And did the sofa get broken in the process? Yes, Your Honor, I can confirm that the sofa did get broken. And this 88-year-old retired visiting judge said, well, I feel that this could be a one-time thing, and we're going to go ahead and dismiss this. We're done for today, oh, folks. Oh, God. Yes, and, and just Christian. let it go. That's yeah. right, because they don't care yeah. if these men kill us. This whole father's yeah, rights initiative stuff, yeah, there's no yeah. mothersrights.gov. There is a fathersrights.gov. No. So mm-hmm. why isn't there protections for mothers? You know, some years ago out in Maryland, I believe it was, they did a study and found out that women who fought back and killed their husband, boyfriend, whomever that was attacking them, 88% of the time were serving anywhere from 20 years to life in prison. Conversely, men who attacked their partners and killed them usually got probation. Only like 20% of them ever saw a day in prison. But that's how lopsided the system is. And I don't know what the statistics would be on it now. But I remember when that was published, uh, everybody blew up. All all these poor men sitting in prison. And a lot of times they were accused of things they didn't do. And a lot of times they got away with things they did do. And nobody would do anything about it. And um, But, you know, one of the things, I'm going to say this, and I know I'm going to piss people off, but so be it. This reverting to the Bible on what a woman's plight is, what her job is in life. For one thing, God didn't write a word of any of that. Find a word from God in there anywhere. It was all written by men, for men, to benefit men. And women are always relegated to a second subservient position. And I always question, you go to the book of Genesis, where the first big lie is told. And it's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, the Holy Trinity. And supposedly humanity sprang from this. So what that tells me, if this is true, either humanity is supposed to be gay or you're lying. Because two male entities and a ghost can't create anything. It's the Father, the Mother, and the Child. Life, that's the Holy Trinity. And but we no you can't because you'd have to include a woman in that. And having read through the Bible, and I have, women are always relegated to a second position. They're always deemed to be uh, what do I want to say? Uh, less effective, not believable. His word should be: if he tried to kill her, she must have done something. Yeah, she got up that morning and was breathing. And, uh, you know, the yeah. I, you know what I said, but I mean, this is basically what it gets yeah. down to. And I can't think of anything you or I could do that would warrant a man putting his hands on you and trying to kill you. I don't give a damn what it is. And um, can you imagine the outcry if women did this to men, beat them up, threaten to cut their heads off? I mean, my God, look at the whole country almost exploded when Lorena Bobbick cut the penis off of her cheating husband. Uh, I thought we were going to collapse behind that. But yet we have men who have whopped off their women's breasts, scarred up their faces with acid, have hacked them to pieces, and everybody goes, oh boy, that was something, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Why aren't you upset? 
um, we have a whole different code of behavior for men that is acceptable. And always, if they are in a bad position, what did you do? Well, you must have done something. Well, he wouldn't have reacted like that unless you did something. Uh-huh. I see. I, I, but the, at stake here in these cases is the children. And taking them from you and placing them with him, the state made money through Title Four D. Uh, I'm telling you, they did. I'm thankful and, that uh, you brought that out, Marty, because it's the communities that pay for these rotten, wicked, evil, sinful judges to sit up there. They have a job to do, and their job is to look at the case and rule accordingly and fairly, not biasly and prejudicially. Right. And what they do is the, the communities, you, everybody, and I want everybody to know this, you're out there working hard, and they're taking Social Security from your paychecks. Part of that, most of that Social Security goes to pay for these fraudulent and corrupt judges. So it's the communities yes. that are paying these public servants salaries, and your children are next. Your nieces are next. Your little cousins are next. You're all next. Today yep. it's me, it's Patsy, and, and millions of other people, sure. But tomorrow, if we don't stop them, it's going to permeate through where it bleeds on every man, woman, and child. There are right. fathers, and I have to admit, there are good fathers that have also lost custody for reporting right. that the mom was drinking or drugging or whatever, and yep. I get that. Where I'm coming from is that I see in my eyes that we that, that the percentage of men being the abuser is we will and these aren't statistics okay I'm just giving an example I would say 75% to 25% male so right you have 75% of really good moms that are without their children and you have about 25% of really good dads that are without their children and that's not right. right. That's not fairness. So these I, I, I courts... Have, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, these courts make their money and fill their pockets on taking the children from the good parent and trafficking them. I spoke with the Department of Justice. I was at the Mahoning County Republican Party meeting, and a lady from Department of Justice came and I spoke with her about trafficking through the family courts, she said, absolutely, you are right. These judges and these courts, they do traffic our children every day. So yeah. Yeah. we have to gather together. We are having a gathering, like a huge rally in Cleveland, Ohio, on September 26, 2022. It starts at 2 p.m., it's going to be at 801 West Superior, 801 okay. West Superior, Cleveland, Ohio, September 26, 2022, 2 p.m. That's right outside the Department of Justice, that whole federal building. In there is the Department of Justice, and right next door is BCI. So we want them to hear that Ohio it's fed up. Ohio is the hub of all criminal activity in the United States. I don't know if people know that. This is where oh, it begins. I didn't. Okay. Yes. If you I look up Columbus here. Dispatch, I'm sorry? 
I said I have a comment here that one of the problems yes. is women don't value women, and that's the core of the problem. And that's one thing too, because um, you need to jump in here too. Um, the problem I see is too many times women will attack each other. Uh, I don't see men yes. doing this, but women will attack each other, and uh, I think that's a pretty sad state of affairs. Um, I've seen that especially like you get on Facebook and stuff. Women will jump in and they'll side in with the men, uh, you know, and say god awful things. Apparently, they've never been in that position, and maybe they have and they liked it. I don't know, but this is what I'm saying. I agree with that statement. Women don't value women. And, That's um, a really, a really telling statement. I mean, just like from owning businesses and being a manager and hiring. I've noticed this myself, and they always say that a manager will uh, they attract or hire you know based on their own person. Like some people who are like glory hogs and um, and not confident, they'll hire people who are lesser caliber than they are, so that they won't look good. So there's like a psychology behind all of this. But women are either really catty and nasty and gossipy. Or you have these type A women who, man, don't cross that woman. But if you're a friend, if you're two type A women, it's like I've heard it kind of called like a a, a girl gang. Like they're tight. Yeah. They're ride or die. But don't cross yeah. a woman like that. And yeah. those kind of women are, you know, they're your, they're your best friends. They are going to always have your back. Just that's just you know the type of person you don't kind of cross. And I've actually found it seems to be that more of the people who are, you know, fighting this guardianship stuff do seem to be there are quite a few of that type A sort of woman that is out there that you know everyone has everyone's back. And I mean I think of like a, a Cynthia Hayes right now. I mean just has is is like the cheerleader for everyone, so supportive really not glory hog doesn't glory hog or anything but just is always having everyone's back introducing people caring about people but i don't think that you would ever want to cross her because she has all her paperwork you know and 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 this is i'm saying this as a compliment to her she's just amazing and i really feel like if anyone knows her she would be that that i would say she would be that type a woman who's going to be very loyal don't cross her and you know what and why yeah. do we need to cross other women like we need to yeah. we need to all stick together because the world is like we're trying to raise our kids and you know i think of this one time so my kid was playing football and there's the moms and i i just kind of was like have we not grown up from high school yet and there's yeah. some catty moms complaining about how this other mom, Ew, look at what she's wearing. Da, da, da. And I'm horrified. I don't want to be part of that kind of a conversation. Like, you know, and so I actually made it a mission that, A, I called the person out who was acting like that way. And I said, you know, I don't appreciate it. I don't want to be part of this conversation. And I think maybe you should figure out how to go say a compliment to her because, what you're doing, like these are all of us trying to raise our children together in the same grade and just to tear women down like that because whatever her outfit yeah. is or whatever. And so while I was there, after about four years of football, everyone was getting along. 
And I remember pointing yeah. it out, you know, saying, hey, do you notice? Remember how it all started out? Everyone got, well, you know what happened, Marty? I mean, not to what? pat myself on the back, but so my kid ended up going to a different school when they went to high school. So I wasn't hanging out with all these moms. And you know what? They were all hating on each other by the time they were done with high school. And I was just, yep. it's just disgusting. It's just disgusting. You, you know, well, people, it's hard enough. We're trying to raise our kids and for women to just go ripping down other women. It, and they do it, too. They do it. They um, do. There's two types. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Caddy, nasty, and then, like, the yep. type A. But, but And then, like I say, you never see men doing this, or rarely do you see them doing this. Um, they just don't say anything, which I think is best. If you can't say something nice, don't say anything. Uh, and I do believe yeah. that. But um, it just, it, it this, the idea, Lynn, that he sent you a video of somebody being beheaded saying this is what I'm going to do to that man should have been in jail right then and there. Absolutely. And I think he should have been sent for psychiatric care because obviously something is wrong. This goes beyond your usual, what you consider usual abuse and violence that can occur. This is Mm -hmm. leading into the extreme. And uh, I just... I, I'm afraid for you. What I happens really when you pay a lawyer? When you pay a lawyer twenty five thousand dollars, and you put it down on his desk, and the lawyer tells you not not you or I, but this is his situation. He goes in and he pays twenty five thousand dollars to this lawyer that's married to the head judge. That lawyer then says, well, don't tell anybody that you paid this to me in cash because I've got rental properties I'm paying on and vacation properties. And then Mm -hmm. they'll do anything. They'll do anything for that dollar. They lap it up. They're they're like parasites and they're sick. They, They just, they don't care of right and wrong. They have no conscience. They, they don't have a soul. So we're dealing with an evil entity that has no conscience, has no soul. It's only about the dollars and how much can I get from this individual to fix the case. And currently, right. the big problem is, is he's trying to take them to Lebanon. I was in court a couple weeks ago, and I was able to file a continuance, and it was granted until I can get some help from the authorities. I'm thankful that the State Department, the United States State Department in Washington, D.C., called me and said, Ms. Morgan, we are alerting you that your ex-husband has filed an application to get passports for the children. Now, Trumbull Uh-oh. County, there is a court order, a standing court order that he cannot take the children from the country. So he goes and pays this elderly judge twenty grand to make a new order that he can take the children. So this is man, this country? 88-year-old he, retired, I'm sorry? Is he from a different country? He's from Lebanon, yes. And okay. he has now, and by the way, the retired visiting judge is also from another country. He was born oh. in Italy and came here at 11, um, grew up through mob connections. They paid for his education and now he's sitting on bench and is crooked as ever. All you have to do is Google his name, Joseph Jolito, 
Now, he stepped off the bench because he had to retire, and his daughter took his seat, and she's doing the same thing. So it's like monkey see, monkey do. And and what we're doing here, folks, is that we are destroying the families, as you said. So now this this 88-year-old retired visiting judge cannot. He, he has to respect the law of the case. There's a standing court order that says the father cannot take the children from the country. This retired visiting judge who has no jurisdiction because he was not assigned for this, that's one thing that people don't know, too, is that retired visiting judges, they have to have a letter of assignment for each thing that they hear. They can't just stay on a case for four years. And he has been on this case for four years. That's an appointed judge. That's not a temporarily assigned judge. So the Ohio Supreme Court is breaking the law. They are covering for these criminals, which makes them criminals. It's a fraud to conceal a fraud. So when you know Ohio Supreme Court seven justices that Lynn's case has felony forgery, fraud upon the court, lack of jurisdiction, but yet you cover your eyes to it. No, you're, you're lawbreakers. You are trespassers of the law, and you violated the oath which you undertook to protect us people from this. And then they sit back and they say, uh, I choose not to hear this case. But I'll hear this one that has to do with money. But I won't hear that case. I'm sorry, folks. You don't have the right to sit back like your feet are in cool water and you're at the nail salon. You have to obey the law and apply it as it is written and intended. The Ohio Constitution, Article 1, Section 16, states clearly that all courts are open to the people. And for every injury done unto them in their land's good or reputation, you have a right to a redress and remedy without denial and without delay. So how can a Supreme Court say, eh, I'm not going to hear that case? You know why they don't want to hear Lynn's case? Because all these people involved in this, they've already hung themselves. We're just waiting for somebody to kick the chair out from underneath of them. There, there. I've wow. won this case a million times over. I've just had corrupt judges. Now you've got the Ohio Jimmy. Supreme Court that's just as corrupt because when they cover and conceal and hide the fraud, they are the fraudsters themselves. And this 88-year-old retired visiting judge is appointed by this Maureen O'Connor who gives you a one-page denial and a rubber stamp of a name not even a wet ink signature, which is required by Rule 11. When there's a right. court order, that's got to have a time stamp on it and a wet ink signature. The paperwork that I have has none of that on there. What's happening is her office is looking at our case, and they're making the rulings for them. I bet you the Supreme Court doesn't even know anything about my case because the gatekeepers, who are the clerk's right. office, they prevent your paperwork from being seen by these judges. Gee, many Christmas. Wake I up, just, people. Wake up. Everybody needs yeah. to wake up and be aware that this is happening. Reverend Ralph, do you got anything to say? Wait a minute. Hold on. Hold up there. We've got a caller. Hang on. Area code 610. Will you have a question or comment for our guests? Hi, Marty. It's Elaine. Hi, Kaz. Hi, 
I Hello. listen very often. <laughs> Hi, yeah. I'm so sorry to listen to the story by the um, guest tonight, and it's like, it's it's like you know, it's the same old story, um, how people are being abused, and just to let the guest know, yeah, I've been through a lot of this stuff, and then when I went to the Supreme Court in Pennsylvania, and they they there, there was no way out because there was so much fraud on top of fraud. Well, they just ordered away my constitutional rights to make sure that I couldn't even file, and then they just never heard the case. So, um, so that's how. It, so what they do is they bury it when there's no way out, and they can't hear your case because they'd have to overturn it, and they don't want to overturn it. All they do is find a way to not let you in the court. They'll either stamp your filing late, even if it's time on time, or they will just find a way and order away your rights. And I'm not the only one, you know. I, a friend of mine who had a filing about the same time as me, they alleged her filing was late when she has proof it was on time as well. It's it's horrible. It's it's um, you, you hear more and more bad cases now. It used to be occasionally, and it seems to be yeah. Yeah. a pattern now. It's not even shocking. That's what's horrible. The the cases yeah. are so horrible, and you don't even. It's not even a shock anymore because now it's it's one case standard. after the next. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know what I don't know what's going to become, and. Yeah, and I've been through the whole thing as well, Marty. You you've heard so many times from me all the stuff with the judges. They lack jurisdiction. They bring in some judge from nowhere land, an unassigned judge. They pass you around. They all take swings at you, and and they don't uphold the law. They don't uphold their oath. And it, it and you know and like I've said to you before. If they don't get you in the family court, they'll get you somewhere down the road, like guardianship, or or after you've passed away, they're going to go after in probate court your assets. It's horrible, and uh, so my, you know, sympathy, empathy to the guest. I have, I don't know what to offer. She can look at my book though. <laughs> I'll put my book yeah. on promotion. If she wants yeah, there to you go. And uh, yeah. It's, I, I, you know, and I've been listening to this stuff about these courts for years. It's common knowledge. It is, it is not just a random thing that you see here and there. It's prolific. This tonight is one of the worst cases I've heard in a long time. They're all bad, but yeah. this one I think tops a lot of them. Yeah. Uh, the idea of of beheading someone uh, is just yeah. absolutely. Unbelievable. Um, it just it makes me sick at my stomach. It's really quite unnerving, and uh, to be threatened with that is just uh, I, I can't even imagine it. But Reverend Ralph, you've remained quiet all this time. Did you have anything you wanted to put in here? Yes, thank you. Good afternoon or good evening. Uh, I've made a lot of notes uh, for the caller's information. I did criminal investigations for about 41 years, and about a year ago I became a minister because I have learned firsthand about uh, the corruption in legal guardianships. So I, I have made some notes, and the caller, uh, 
I, I just can't believe what you went through. Just you have my sympathy yeah. for whatever it's worth. Uh, some of my Thank comments you, are, um, as we all know, lawyers uh, they kiss the rear ends of judges only so the judges will give them a win once in a while. So the lawyers will then give them money for when they're up for re-election. So yeah, one one rear end kisses the other. Um, another point, uh, perennial kidnapping by women to protect their children. Uh, this goes on nationwide, and people misunderstand that. They think, oh, the woman's a, you know, a B-I-T-C-H or whatever. But no, it's done just to save the lives of these children, and the women are basically criminals on the run, and if they were ever found, they will go to prison. And it's, it's a disgusting, despicable situation where a woman is sacrificing her own self to protect her children from a, an abusive uh, husband or boyfriend because the courts aren't doing anything other than sending out a piece of paper saying this is a protection order, but it means nothing. It has absolutely no, uh, no meaning to it, really, no power to it whatsoever. Uh, you had talked about the beheading video that your uh, ex-husband sent to you. Uh, I would consider that making a terroristic threat. Uh, yeah. I don't know. That's, that's yeah. something to me. I mean, when you when somebody does that to you, or they even imply it like you're going to be sorry, you say that to a judge and see how long you stay out of jail. You'll be in jail before you finish the sentence. Uh, yeah. Another, another point, uh, orphans court, uh, they claim alleged uh, incapacitation, uh, and they have a special privacy attached to it. So any problems or any mistakes that the lawyers or judges make, people can't talk about it. And this is another way that these uh, lawyers and judges in orphans court, when they screw up or they deliberately do things that they shouldn't be doing, it's like, oh, you can't talk about it or else it's an invasion of the privacy, and then you go to prison because of it. They'll cite you for contempt of court and send you to prison. I know that for a fact because, as both Marty and Cos will testify, I went to prison for a week because I created a website, protectmyparents.us, which revealed information about what happened to somebody I loved. Another point I made, uh, no matter how many things are screwed up by the lawyers and judges, they still get paid, but the innocent people are not repaid for their loss of money and the time that right. they waste doing it. And again, right. that's really a double standard. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> another point I made, or another uh, comment, uh, there are laws that forbid telephone recording, videotaping, etc. And the only reason for that is, is to hide evidence. And I'm just going right. through it now with a situation where I have audio taped and videotaped information to prove somebody, a loved friend, uh, is basically totally normal, and this is supposedly against the law or the rules of a nursing home, because for what reason? Because it exposes how unsanitary and disgusting the conditions are there, and also how abusive the uh, staff is. So Again, this is a way by prohibiting, and there's a sign when you walk in the front door, there's a sign that says no pictures and no videotaping. And because it's private property, a lawyer said that's legal. Well, 
I said to the lawyer, I said, oh, so you mean if I see somebody beating up somebody, whatever, I'm not allowed to videotape it? And they said, well, that's a crime. Yeah, you're allowed to do that. Well, what about the unsanitary conditions and how patients are abused and the other conditions that exist there? Uh, I'm not allowed to document that. And he said, no, because it's in private property or yeah, private property, which is interesting because of all these people that have opposed or that have uh, accused cops of misconduct, that's why these cops have video recorders now, so they can protect themselves and prove that they didn't do something. And this is right. very important because it seems evidence is, uh, you know, is condemned and criticized by those people that don't want to be proven that they're liars and crooks. Uh, well, you know, something – wait a minute, Reverend yeah, yeah. They can say it's private property, yes, it's private property. But if it's a nursing home, any facility like that is taking federal funding. And if they're taking federal funding, they can't prohibit you. They have to supposedly allow visitation, and there's big signs supposed to be posted, there's blah, blah, blah. But they cannot prohibit you because this at the moment they take federal funds, they are no longer an independent organization that's strictly organized by the state. Uh, now they're under federal rule. And that's one of the uh, hardships, if you want to call it that, of taking that gift money from from the government. There's all these strings attached. So I don't know how they get away with that. You know, it's private property. Well, it isn't privately funded. You're taking federal. That makes it public. And um, it's because we have a right to know, supposedly. But what do you think about that? Well, thank you very much, Marty. Uh, I did not know that. And it's interesting is uh, it's not a crime until somebody can, you know, until somebody reports it or can prove it. Mm -hmm. And thank you. That's very, very interesting. I'm going to bring that up because this is something where most judges and lawyers really don't know the laws. And because no, it comes out of their mouth, they think, well, it must be the law because I said so, you know, as a judge or a lawyer. But, no, I'm, I'm, going, to, I'm going to inform well, my lawyer that. Yeah, like Lynn talking tonight, I've talked to, I couldn't tell you how many attorneys and lawyers, I've never heard anybody be able to quote the law, what the law is, what it says, what it means, like she has, or like Elaine has in her book. Um, I just, and that's the sad part of it, and they, they complain, it's, it's, I don't even know how to put this in words, it just upends me so bad. They complain hey, Marty, that, can I jump in? Yes. Oh, I was just going to say, I was going to say really quick. Go uh, <laughs> no, you know, I was in court, one time I was in court, and the opposing counsel, he was uh, shooting off his mouth saying about law, whatever, A, B, C, D, whatever law, and there was somebody in the audience, it was an attorney sitting there Googling, um, it was someone I knew of, and uh, when, I, when I left, they they. The uh, attorney told me, they said, you know what? He just made up that law. <laughs> there wasn't yeah. even a law. Sometimes the lawyers, they'll just be standing there saying, oh, under statute A, B, C, D, it says, and they're just making it up thinking that yes. nobody knows. And if you're not sitting um, here with um, a computer to look it up, you don't even know. But I was, <laughs> right. I just had a, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. I had to just throw that no, in that's, there. No, that's okay. <laughs> well, then, you know, they complain about people. Uh, you know, the hatred of pro se litigants, 
is just these they foam at the mouth attorneys and judges both especially judges just absolutely almost become apoplectic over pro se litigants and uh, they want you ignorant the idea that you could educate yourself and actually represent the law honestly without having to lie and make stuff up or avoid the realities of it and this is just burning them up. They want this stuff taken down. They don't want it available to people um, because this has been a closed club for quite a long time. And they they don't want you knowing. The medical field is the same way. There's too much information out there. And people are becoming armchair doctors. You've left us no choice. Just like Bar Association member, you left us no choice. We had to educate ourselves in this because you weren't doing your job. And you are right. Too many times they don't know the law, and they didn't look it up, and they don't care. It was already decided before you walked in the door, and you're just playing out your part in a stage play is all it is. It's a dog and pony show. Absolutely. The number of people. Yeah, the number of people that I have talked to and get caught in guardianship, we've had attorneys walk to the door of the courthouse and just turn around to their clients and say, I can't represent you. You're going to have to find somebody else after they've been paid twenty five, thirty five thousand dollars 35000 And people just stunned walking into a courtroom, coming out, thinking they knew the law, thought they were going to get treated fairly. I don't know who even would think that anymore, but they do. And come out absolutely in shock with the realization that it was a done deal before they ever got in there, that it was obvious there was collaboration between the attorneys and the judge and the guardians and the judge, and everybody was making money, and they were going down the tubes. It was all arranged before they got in there. It is blatant and obvious what's going on, and yet we don't have anyone. um, I was in contact with the DOJ here a few years back, and um, basically – that was like hitting a brick wall and it turning your head into mush. Just the double speak and babble and, uh, you know, well, I'll have to look into that. Well, you should know this. What What is it you have to look into? Uh, well, you know, you, maybe you should leave the law to professionals. Well, if I met a professional that knew the law, I wouldn't bother. <laughs> and But it's just, you know what I'm saying it. We're damned if we do and damned if we don't. But just like in your case, Lynn, here you were there, you've got them nailed to the wall, and it made no difference. It made no Absolutely. difference. Absolutely. It's a rigged game. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, the, if you look at, um, just go on YouTube and, and type in 60 Minutes Interview, um, there's a man interviewing a congressman, and he had a camera in his glasses, and obviously the congressman was just too excited over all the trickery, but he wasn't even paying attention that he was being recorded. He said that the lawyers pay them. They pass bills in the house that are then advantageous to the lawyers. Yes. And, yeah, I, that was all over 60 minutes. The guy recorded it. It's out there for everybody to see. But people have become so in their easy chair with their bucket of chicken wings and a two liter of soda watching the football games that they do not realize the dangers that are lurking all around because they're not aware. A lot of people are still asleep. Like you can have a lawyer and he'll say, um, 
well, I'm licensed to practice law. Ask any uh-huh. lawyer to see their license. You're going to whip out a yes. bar card, a membership card. Yes. They don't have a license exactly. to practice law. <laughs> I've got to tell you, Lynn, uh, the first summit I was at, when I walked out of the room, actually it was the third, I think, uh, and I walked out of the room and I had first a senator approached me and did not like what I had to say, and I told him that was okay. I didn't like him anyway. And uh, <laughs> But then I had an attorney step up on me and said I was dangerously close to practicing law without a license. I said, so are you. You don't have any such <laughs> license. All you've got is a bar union dues card. That's it. And yeah, just tell them the United States States Supreme Court says you can't license a right. There you go. And I thought the veins in his head were going to burst. You know, those ones that come up across Mm -hmm. the forehead. And he's a big man. Mm -hmm. I'm 5'4". And he was at least 6 foot, a little bit more. And he's trying to, you know, out position me and leaning down and looking at me. And I know I'm supposed to back up. That's a sign that I submit. And I know this, and so I refused to, and I stepped up on him. We were both almost in his jeans together, and uh, I refused to back down. And I said, who issued you a license? And he just stood and looked at me, and I said, nobody, there is no such license. And nope. I said, I love is available there. Yep. Yep. Uh, there it. is nothing yeah. else. Yeah, we've mm-hmm. got about four minutes And what left you here. were saying. Oh, no. Marty, what you were saying earlier about the statutes, rules, and the codes is not being law. There's a United States Supreme Court case called Self versus Ray, R-H-A-Y. And the United States Supreme Court specifically stated that statutes, codes, rules, and ordinance is not law. The law is the Constitution, and that is the supreme law of the land. So if you look up, the supremacy clause in the U.S. Constitution, Article 6, Section 2, it is called the supremacy clause. And it says that the Constitution is the supreme law of the land, and all judges in every state are bound thereby, nothing else withstanding. I summarized there it, but that's what it says. Yeah. So okay. these judges are bound to follow the Constitution but they're sitting up there making laws on the bench instead yep. of applying the law as it was written. We need to get rid of them. We need to, yep. to have this well-formed or well-regulated militia, as the Constitution yeah. says. It's our duty to go up against these people. It's yeah. not something that you, you can't stay silent anymore. You have it. No. Your children are at risk. I try to tell yes. the people every day, your children are going to die because of your inaction today. I don't well, know if it's getting through. Uh, Lynn, uh, we didn't get, yes. we didn't get uh, Patsy on. Uh, would you guys yes. be at all opposed to coming back on Monday night? Oh, no, no, no absolutely. We can. Let's come come back on Monday night and let's continue this. This is an important conversation. And uh, what I'm going to be doing in that is showing the parallels between what's happening to you uh, in the CPS courts and what's happening to the elders in the APS courts and this, exactly, this yeah. destruction of the family. This is what this is about, is tearing the family apart, destroying the core mm-hmm. of the family. And well, what to I me, that's what I like all of it. 
I'm sorry. I just wanted to say one thing about the CPS, um, at least in my case. They tell you in a domestic violence situation never to have your kids around my ex because he's been to prison for multiple things, and I'll talk about that Monday. But they told me that I was mentally unstable because I couldn't make sense of something that didn't make any sense. Oh, <laughs> well. Like he gave him my kids. And he gave him my daughter oh my that's not even his and terminated my rights to do so. Oh my God. Wow. Okay. Let's 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 do this again Monday night. Finish this up. Okay. Um cause you, you can you be there Monday? Unfortunately I don't think I will be able to. Reverend will you be able to be? I didn't know there was a Monday show. Well there <laughs> usually isn't, but again. I'm gonna do but I'm going to do one to finish up this conversation. This is a too important to just drop it here. So if you yeah. could be there Monday, I'd appreciate it. And, same time? Um, same time? Yeah. 8 o'clock? Yes. Okay. Yes. I'll be on. Marty, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll listen in Monday as well. Okay. Elaine can fill in good. Okay. Yeah, Elaine will fill in. With me. Okay. Yeah. All right. I got to close this up, everybody. Thank you so much. This has good gone night. by much too fast. Thank you. We will Thank we you. will finish so this much. up Monday night, um, and okay. uh, this is quite a quite a tale. And um, I want to remind everybody of the new Whistleblowers Life website. It's under construction, but you get over there and get signed up. There's an on-site chat if you want to use it. If you want to contact okay. anybody mm-hmm. over there, um, and they are looking for whistleblower writers. If you're blowing the whistle and you okay. have a recognized case, they'd like to hear from you. So anyway, uh, we've got a lot going on. (laughs) Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Anyway, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. This has been a good show. We will be back Monday night, 7 Central, 8 Eastern, and we'll finish this one up, and we'll talk to you all then. Good night, everybody. Thank you. Good Good night. night. Good night. Thank you. Good night. Bye. Good night.